Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Probably the most famous first line of a book and also describes our age pretty well. We're still kind of in that Christmas glow, best of times, worst of times, Christmas days past, and we're still in this mess that is 2020. On my way here, I drove here this morning, and I realized that there are still Christmas songs being played on the radio waves. I think that this is the first year that I've ever experienced that on secular radio stations after Christmas. In fact... I remember in years past, it's Christmas Day around 2 o'clock when obviously everyone's done opening their Christmas presents, and we've shifted from the perpetual Christmas songs to never a Christmas song until November 30th of the following year. I bring up it was the best of times, it was the worst of times, not merely to highlight the type of year that we've had, but for you, I'm trusting that it triggered Charles Dickens' famous book, A Tale of Two Cities. We've all heard this first line. If you were a Jew in the first century, hearing John's gospel being read, if you heard, in the beginning, dot, 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 you would know, just like we knew in Charles Dickens' famous first line, we would know that John here is quoting from the very first book of the Bible. You would know that he's hearkening back to Genesis. John here is being audacious. He is not a humble guy. I'm sure he was a humble guy, but he's trying to do something great here. And he does. Biblical scholars all over the world have said that if there is any best passage in all of Scripture, this is it. Rudolf Boltmann says that this piece of Scripture is the pearl of great price. Others have said it is the most majestic piece of the Bible, and the only thing that comes even close is from the book of Isaiah, the first reading that we read today. So how is John being audacious? You know the line, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and lived among us. What is John doing here? John is hearkening back to the beginning, saying that there is a new beginning with the advent of Jesus Christ. A new beginning of history, of humanity, and a new beginning of God's involvement with his creation. In former times, God gave us the law and the prophets, John says. But now, God gives himself. Paul says the same thing in our letter to the Galatians. In former times, the law was given as a disciplinarian. Now, 
we have faith. Or as what Jake said a second ago, now we have Christ, God himself. And this is far superior to the law. My friends, I mentioned this on Christmas Day, but the assemblers of our lectionary texts, those who compile the texts that we read every Sunday and every major feast day, they meant for John 1 to be the climax of all of the Christmas readings. We think of the climax of the Christmas reading of the story of the shepherds and the magi and the kings who go and find Jesus in a stable. But the lectionary writers are aware that it is our great temptation, yours and mine, to make Christmas all about nostalgia, all about something cute. And that's the worst thing in the world, because if it's cute, then we can dismiss it. If it's cute, then it doesn't affect our lives. No. The assemblers of our lectionary texts, of our readings for each and every Sunday and the feast days knew that this must be the climactic text. For we are not trying to recapture a lost sense of childhood in this season. Isn't that what we've heard that Christmas is all about from the movies, from the ads, from coming to our Christmas Eve services ourselves. I want to recapture that nostalgia, that sense of magic and wonder. But John the Gospeler will not have that. In fact, even the text about the shepherds and the magi and the kings, that's not about being cute either. In fact, as Jake made so clear on Christmas Eve night, the shepherds are are not really cute figures. In fact, these are the type of blue-collar, not even blue-collar, low-class people who we try to avoid when we walk around the streets of Manhattan. These people are dirty. These people are dealing with the dirt and with animals. They probably smell. In fact, the great pictures, the great portraits of the shepherds have them as like disheveled, kind of shadowy figures. And into that very place is where the bursting of light that breaks into the darkness comes. The temptation that I was talking about, the temptation to make it all about nostalgia and wishful thinking was perfectly illustrated in this poem that I read. I call it a poem, but it's hardly a poem. It was an Instagram ad that I saw come across my feed. And the poem goes like this. May you find among the gifts spread beneath your tree the most welcome gift of all, the child you used to be. In the 21st century, that is what Christmas is really all about. And when you think about it, it's actually pretty sad. There's one more. This is a greeting card I received. It said this, Backward, turn backward, O time. In your flight, make me a child again, just for tonight. Well, as Jake said, it's the third day of Christmas. I guess that night is over. We've got to wait 365 more days for the next time that we can recapture that sense of lost childhood. 
If that were the message of Christmas, if that was what John and Luke and Matthew are talking about, then we're in trouble. It's all about wish fulfillment. It's all about warm fuzzies one night of the year. I was the same way that Jake's kids were on Christmas night. They all cried because the great Christmas day is over. This thing that we waited for for so long is through. The, the presents have been opened, and I've got to wait. If the Feast of the Incarnation is about that, then let's throw it out. It's not worth it. No, the Christmas season, these 12 days that our secular radio stations seem to be embracing because the times are so very tough, is that something has changed. This isn't about nostalgia or wishful thinking. We here in the church announce that at the Incarnation, something new happened. God did not come to give you warm, fuzzy feelings. God did not come in the form of a helpless babe to be cute. God came to wage warfare on sin and death, and in the most unlikely of methods and means, he won. God didn't become the son of some Roman emperor and just announce to all, I'm here to save the day. God came to Bethlehem. Nobody in the Roman world cared about Bethlehem. These are lowly people. These are people on the margins, the outskirts of society. Mary is not a very impressive girl. She's very highly favored, as the text tells us, but so was Abraham in the Old Testament, not very impressive either. No, the message of Christmas is that the word became flesh, lived among us, and he has broken into our dark world. As St. Paul says, this present darkness, this present evil age, and John announces, makes clear that in this most unlikely of ways, the light has shined in the darkness, and the darkness could not overcome it. It's actually pretty embarrassing for the darkness when you think about it. You have the power of the Roman Empire, and how does God defeat you? A helpless child. Only, Christmas is not about zeroing in on God and Christ being a child. In fact, Christmas is all about that invasion I mentioned ago. And that invasion reaches its climax on Golgotha, at the cross, and through his resurrection. And I think the message of Christmas is most perfectly illustrated in a piece of art uptown at the cloisters. There's this famous triptych. It's the Annunciation. The angel Gabriel is coming to Mary, telling her that she will bear the Son of God. This is when she says, be it unto me according to your word. And what we see in the triptych right above the angel Gabriel is an embryo. And in that embryo is a cross with this 
painting gets across to you and me is that the Feast of the Incarnation, the Christmas season, is not about nostalgia, about recovering lost childhoods. It is about Christ, God in Christ, invading this cosmos to undo all that has gone wrong, to undo the effects of sin and death, and to take away the sin of the world, even your sin and mine. This is much better than nostalgia or wish fulfillment. This is a living hope. For what we declare on Christmas Day and throughout the Christmas season is not that God came in the form of a child a long, long time ago in a galaxy, well, very close to our own. The message of Christmas is that God in Christ, who became a babe, who grew up, died, and rose, Jesus is alive. Our hope is alive. It's real. It's not a, let me recapture for one night, warm fuzzies. The message of Christmas is that God in Jesus has won. And that he's forgiven us of all our sins. All the powers of sin and death that you and I dabble in every single day. It's been forgiven. Once and for all. And this means that when we come to the altar today, we have nothing to fear. Or, as we do now, as you stay in your seats and we come to you with the body and blood of Christ, you have nothing to fear. In fact, now that I say it out loud, it seems more appropriate. God coming to you rather than you coming to God. My friends, the good news of Christmas Day is that despite COVID-19, despite racial injustice, despite all of the mess outside in our world today, and most importantly, despite the mess of your own life and mine, the darkness could not overcome it. The darkness could not comprehend him. God in Jesus Christ, by virtue of his incarnation, his cross and resurrection, has liberated us and will liberate us. So in the midst of this present darkness, in the midst of the devil's raging, despite the fact that he's lost, we have hope. And it's a real hope. And it's not just hope for one day of the year, it's hope for every day of the year. God has tabernacled with us in his Son, He's pitched his tent among us, taken residence with us so that he might undo what we've done, so that he might destroy the powers of sin and death. So in the midst of this dark time, in the midst of this worst of times, let us remember what he's done, what he is doing, and what he will do. For you and I have been made right with him. You and I will see that all the things that have happened to us that are awful and evil will be undone, and even better, all the things that we have done to hurt others will be taken away.
My friends, Jesus is alive. We have a living hope. This is the message of Christmas. And it's so much better than nostalgia. It's real. It's Christmas from here on out. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.